The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 hey, hi, hello. Welcome to NBA Today. My name is Corbin Ford. You can follow me at Corbin NBA and shameless plug. Please, please, please do. I desperately need those followers. Not even playing. Today is Wednesday, March 4th, and as much as I really, really don't want to do this, I just feel compelled to talk about the whole Knicks drama. There is like one of these a year. And to do that, I got to start with James Dolan. But first, but first, but first, this show is brought to you by my bookie. Remember, friends, when you wager, wager with mybookie.ag, a proud partner of all hoopball podcasts. Use promo code today, like our show NBA Today, when signing up to get a 50% deposit match. Again, use promo code today when signing up to get a 50% deposit match. Mybookie.ag, bet, win, get paid. All right, so <sighs> James Dolan. James Dolan is one of the worst owners ever, period. That isn't up for debate. It's just one of those facts. Right up there with uh, Michael Beasley being the greatest Kansas Jayhawk to never, ever win an NBA championship, at least up to date. It's clear as day. In 20 years under Dolan, the Knicks have been to the postseason just five times. Count them. Just five times. For the record, those five times were in 2001, 2004, 2011, 2012, and 2013. They lost in the first round in all of those years, except for 2013, where they bowed out in the second round to the Indiana Pacers. Now, even though I'm not a Knicks fan, I am a native New Yorker, and so this still hurts, although significantly less than if we're my own team. But you know who's a real Knicks fan? My pops. You know what? After this show, I'm going to pour one out for him, because right here, this is some sadness. All right. So the past 20 years, outside of maybe two, the Knicks have served up some subpar mediocre squads. For more than a few of those years, they came with just some terrible rosters. We're talking suspect rosters with questionable basketball talent. Straight up tragic. You want to know Knicks tragic? We're talking going on nine seasons now with under 30 wins tragic. We're talking 16 coaches in 20 years tragic. In fact, why not? Let's do this. I'm going to chronologically run through some of the many semi-traumatic events that have occurred under the reign of James Dolan. Alright, so this first one really hurts me, and that's just because the player I'm about to name drop here is one of my favorite NBA players in general. And, you know what, I think one of these podcasts I'm about to run through, because it is quite a list of interesting players um, that are my favorite, and I doubt they'll be on many people's top five. But that's a story for another show. This one player fits this first semi-notable horrible move that Dolan had a hand behind, and that was the dismissal of fan favorite Latrell Sprewell in the summer of 2003. Spreewell's trade to the Timberwolves in a multi-team trade where they basically end up acquiring power forward Keith Van Horn in return. The trade reportedly happened due to Dolan having a personal feud with Spreewell. Now, this is where Dolan and the Knicks take their first L. Van Horn didn't even last a year in New York. For one, he was playing out of position at small forward due to a crowded front court that had Antonio McDice, Kurt Thomas, Othella Harrington, Vin Baker, Mike Sweetney, Dikembe Mutombo, no, 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 and Clarence Weatherspoon. Whew. Just talking about that. That was a lot of folks playing power forward and center for the Knicks there. So I'm going to take a breath. All right. So Van Horn was behind all these cats 
to play his natural position. Obviously, he never got to that. It didn't work out. And he was eventually shipped out mid-season to Milwaukee for the perpetual underachiever, Tim Thomas. And I'm sorry. That, that was a stray. I'm sorry, Tim. I just had to because, honestly, I really thought you'd be great. Anyways, while New York started imploding just almost immediately, up in Minneapolis, Sprewell teamed up with Kevin Garnett and Sam Cassell to lead the T-Wolves to their first Western Conference Finals appearance in 2004. 2004 was also when Dolan had his second um, notable incident. That was involving another fan favorite, the longtime voice of the Knicks, Marv Albert. Now, mind you, he had already been fired following a guilty plea in a 1997 sexual assault case, but he was brought back and then dismissed again by Dolan for criticizing the team on the air in 2004. He was not invited to the 50th anniversary celebration of the Knicks' 1969-1970 championship team later that month. Mind you, all that is, you know, very uh, convoluted to begin with. You already left him, let him go. I would have, at that point, okay, fine. You bring him back, okay, that's your prerogative, fine. And then you have this public issue. And then not invite him to the 50th anniversary celebration? I mean, that's the Knicks' single most important championship of their two in 1970-1973. That's the one that you have 40 million books and like 20,000 podcasts on. I mean, I, I don't know. That made waves, obviously. And that's a no-go. Just, just not cool. All right, next Dolan Goof. Actually, I kind of skipped ahead here, but December 22nd, 2003, he hired Pistons legend Isaiah Thomas as president of basketball operations. Now, Thomas was a legend in Detroit, great basketball player in his 13-year career, did a lot of good. I'm sure we'll talk about Isaiah sometime in the future, but as an executive, I mean, he had a spotty record up in Toronto. He took, what, the contents of the Basketball Association, I'm pretty sure, ran that to the ground, and then he comes to New York, and he is a bust on many levels for both the Knicks roster and the fan base. Just for example here, at the end of the 2006 season, the Knicks somehow managed to have both the highest payroll in the league and the second worst record. How do you do both of that? I don't know. He traded away several future draft picks to Chicago in a deal for Eddie Curry, including what ought to be two lottery picks and talent-rich drafts that could have netted them LaMarcus Aldridge and Joe Kim Noah. And when I say Joe Kim Noah, I mean getting him when he's not past his prime and attached to a $72 million price tag, but I digress. One thing I loved, and by loved, I mean thought it was hilarious, was that one time when that one time when Thomas said that he would lead the Knicks to a championship and that his goal was to leave behind a championship legacy. Now, that right there is what any executive would say, right? David Kahn said that. Oh, wait till we get to David Kahn. That's a totally other show I'm excited to get to. But you come in as, a, as an executive of a new team. You say, hey, listen, we want to build championship habits. want to build our team into a contender, yada, 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 bring a new culture. It's the same lines. This, this isn't new. The book's been written on this many times before, revised several times. Fine. But at the same time that Thomas is saying this, he is screwing up the Knicks salary cap by signing fringe guys such as Jerome James and Jared Jeffries to full mid-level exceptions, only for these guys to play very little and get injured very often. And when they played, <sighs> it wasn't great stuff, y'all. It wasn't. You also can't make it up. It was just a comedy of errors. And to be honest, I don't know whether to place the emphasis on the comedy part of that phrase or the errors end. I just don't know. Okay, next. Um. Okay, we got to go to Larry Brown. We have to go to Larry Brown. Oh, lovely, lovely Larry. All right, so Brown, Larry Brown is, is a famous coach. He's had a lot of success. He won championships at the college level with Kansas. He won at the professional level with that 2004 Pistons team. But his one season coach in the Knicks was just a disaster of a year. Just horrible. I mean, forget that the team went 23-59 and in 2006. That one season, 
Brown took home $28 million. He got $10 million in the salary when he was signed. He got an additional $18 million in the buyout on the remaining four years and $40 million attached to his contract. Insane. Insane. It was really ridiculous. And then, due to their fiasco, it was public, it was nasty, it was bitter, Brown sued Dolan and Isaiah Thomas for ended up being a settled amount of $28 million. Come on, guys. Come on. I mean, just Knicks fan right here, I'm hurting for you. 2008, I was too busy focused, or 2006, I was too busy focused on uh, Smush, Brown, Smush, Smush Parker and Kwame. But um, that's just not a good look. All right. Now, this is a big one. Wow. Wow. Okay. Almost forgot about this. Another Dolan Isaiah Thomas mess. But in the midst of the Thomas Brown soap opera, Dolan is named as a defendant in a massive lawsuit filed about by team executive Anucha Brown Sanders after she was fired while claiming that former Knicks coach and GM at the time, Isaiah Thomas, sexually assaulted her. The court ruled in favor of Brown Sanders in October of 2007, and that cost the Knicks an $11.5 million settlement, right? Now, this only becomes more of an issue almost 10 years later, in May of 2015, when Dolan anoints Thomas as president of the New York Liberty, which is the WNBA team that Dolan also owns. And, you know, he has all these questions, and obviously so, concerning Isaiah Thomas and his character and the issue that came back in 2007 and whether that would be of any... um anything to keep in mind in, in relation to this new move putting him as president of liberty and dolan shares his belief that thomas was innocent as he puts him in charge of the women's basketball team right now the issue here not really going to touch too much on that is that the knicks agreed to that settlement nearly a decade earlier they took their mission of guilt there that happened that's over and done with in the sense of yes at some level we're culpable so to walk that back ethically i'm 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 just gonna leave that right there but then it has to be pointed out okay also during the dolan timeline they get called out by the late great david stern who says that the told espn that the knicks and their whole fiasco of management public relations all of that demonstrated that they were not the model of intelligent management that was a quote not the model of intelligent of intelligent management and honestly that is a beautiful way to sum it all up, but it's really putting it lightly. All right, so remember the great Lynn Sandy time back in 2012? The big game against the Lakers, that clutch game-winning three against the Raptors, all of that, good times. Remember the fallout with the Carmelo Anthony when he got healthy and the flame on the playoffs they had that year? Yeah, okay, sorry, I had to bring that up too. Okay, well, you can blame Dolan for the end of those good times because the Knicks assured everyone going into free agency of that year that they would match any offer for Jeremy Lin however the Houston Rockets went put together a real good poison pill contract and apparently Dolan was so angry by that contract put together by the Rockets he ordered the Knicks to cut ties and let Lin walk now I mean you know Lin had a a decently productive career the rest of that who knows they would have replicated success in New York but you had once had a moment where you had the culture of the team looking good you were engaging across multiple fan bases on a semi-competitive new york knicks team with the point guard that was bringing some excitement you, you couldn't let that flourish a little bit now for shame dolan for shame all right so after this you have the infamous hiring of phil jackson as team president now when he hired jackson dolan said that he was no basketball expert and that he would give jackson full uh, autonomy right now of course, Dolan can't help but meddle. So soon after this, sources indicate that Dolan would not let uh, Phil Jackson give Steve Kerr, basically the coaching candidate they that they wanted, the money that he was requesting to coach the team. Spoiler alert, Kerr goes to Golden State, 
you know, you may have heard of him there. Wins an NBA title, a couple of them. Gets coach of the year honors. The Knicks would then, while, you know, Kerr is living his best life, go through three more coaches in two years, including the great Derek Fisher. <laughs> the great Derek Fisher. For more money than they'd have to pay Kerr. Two years. Three coaches combined. I'm not even going to tell you the win-loss record for that because it was brutal. Knicks were averaging like 23 wins a season. All right? All of that that they were throwing that money around for the same price they would have had Steve Kerr. Now, I'm not sure, you know, Steve Kerr's coaching and all of that. I'm not touching what he would have done with the Knicks roster if he could have coached the roster that Phil Jackson would later assemble around uh, the Knicks. We'll never know. But the point being that you would do that when you just, it's over money. I, I mean, come on now. That's, come on now. All right, so, speaking of that, Phil Jackson. Uh, you know, when he was brought on, seemed solid enough. 11 championships, look what he did for the Lakers two different times. Look what he did for the Bulls. I mean, why not? You know, he knows the triangle offense. <laughs> That's still relevant, you know, in the 2010s, right? <laughs> whole new era, whole new generation. Let's go, right? No. All right, so, Jackson will go on to do great Knicks things, and by great Knicks things, I mean that he would make crazy draft choices, odd free agency signings. I did mention that $72 million contract for uh, Joe Kinoa, right? And then, while he's doing that, he would publicly flame members of his team either directly through the media or through his good friend and literary mouthpiece, Charlie Rosen. And look that up. There's a lot of pieces that Rosen has written that you can definitely tell were just straight from Phil Jackson's mouth to Charlie Rosen's ears to the pen or the paper or the whatever. It's kind of funny, but it's not. But anyway, here we are. Now we're in February of 2015. I had to make sure where I was in the timeline. At this point, you have a long-suffering 73-year-old Knicks fan named Irving Bierman. Now, let me set the stage. Irving has absolutely had enough. He is tired of the losing. He is tired of the drama. And he wants to take his issues to the top. He wants to speak to the Knicks manager. He decides to write a letter to James Dolan. Basically say, hey man, not liking this, yada, 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 sell the team. No, I'm just playing. But, you know, he made his displeasure known. Okay. You look at that letter, we're going to do better. Look at that letter, uh, this or that. We'll, we'll figure it out. In response to this letter, Dolan goes on just only thing I can describe as a salty rant. I mean, he tells Irving to root for the Nets because the Knicks don't want you. He refers to Irving, who is a Brooklyn native, as a sad person, which, I mean, rooting for the Knicks at this point, yeah, I guess you are, and an alcoholic, maybe. Um, what? Now, to be fair, Adam Commissioner, um, NBA Commissioner Alan Silver, obviously we all know him, didn't find Dolan for this, basically telling the New York Post that Jim got an unkind email and responded with an unkind email. I think that Silver just didn't want to touch this. He was like, you know what, Dolan, you've been crazy, you've been doing your thing already, Whatever, I'm going to let this go. But here's my thing. This is coming from the owner of the team. It's not coming from another fan. It's not coming from another player. It's not coming from an executive uh, other than the person who owns the literal New York Knicks. You are actively telling a senior who is just tired of the way this game has been played by his favorite team to take your fandom and go somewhere else. And also accusing him of being an alcoholic and a sad person like... You don't know the man. Calm down, Dolan. Wow. All right, so before we get through, we got one more big one. 2017, legendary Knicks power forward. And everybody remembers this. Charles Oakley was banned from the Garden after Dolan had him dragged out of the arena and arrested 
after scuffling with Madison Square Garden security guards at a game on February 8th, 2017. Dolan then, and this was becoming a pattern, went on the radio and basically suggested that Oakley had an alcohol problem. It seems like that is Dolan's first uh, attack to anyone who says, sell the team or your team sucks or yada yada. He must have an alcohol problem. She must have an alcohol problem. Yada yada, alcohol problem. I mean, that seems to be his, his favorite, favorite mode of attack. So, whatever. Apparently, Dolan thinks that this is all normal, even as the team just explodes in dysfunction all around him. But all of that, all of that I just described, we basically went through, what, 17 years? I left out a few odd little ends here, but I've covered pretty much all the big or semi-big Dolan uh, Dolan suck stories. This all leads to today, or really yesterday, when you're hearing this, where Spike Lee made headlines from the night before into today, I'm recording this on March uh, th- 3rd, y'all, where a video came out with him in a verbal altercation with Nick Security after he apparently was taking the wrong entrance of the building, even though it was the one that he had been using for the past 28 years. Now, the Knicks try to write the whole thing off as a misunderstanding. Spike Lee came on first take the next day to say that, no, it wasn't a misunderstanding, that he basically felt disrespected and mistreated and that he would not be coming to another Knicks game this year. To make matters worse, the Knicks responded, obviously, through Dolan, or Dolan responding through the Knicks, saying that Lee considering himself the villain in this situation is laughable. Are you kidding me? Let me read the full statement here. <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> and I quote, The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He is welcome to come in the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. End quote. Now, there are so many ways I can go with this one. On, 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 on one, uh, Spike Lee claimed, look at the footage, uh, because, you know, the Knicks PR team came with the statement and some pictures that apparently showed Spike Lee and James Dolan shaking hands. Um, and Spike Lee was like, listen... I'm a movie guy. This was a setup. It was designed to make it look that way. Listen, I'm not a movie guy in that way. I'm not calling conspiracy or anything. But this whole story is sad and crazy. Um, and on both sides, this feels extremely petty. If I were Spike, I'd feel shocked too. I mean, listen, I would. Not having notice or anything that, hey, the way I like to go into the building is no longer the way I can go. Yeah, that's not cool. However, especially given how crazy Dolan can be, coming into the building a different way is by no means the worst of the issues, in my opinion. For Spike, you weren't kicked out, you weren't reassigned seats or anything, but still, Spike Lee spends 300k a year to sit courtside at Knicks games. He's been attending games for over 30 plus years, so with inflation, he spent around $9 million on Knicks tickets. That's a lot of money for anyone to spend, much less spending it on mostly bad basketball. If you throw that much dough to watch everyone from Shannon Anderson to Darko Milicic to the carcasses of Penny Hardaway and Tracy McGrady to Alexi Shved and Lou Amundsen, if you have to go through all of that, man, you can come get air dropped from the roof, all right? You can sneak in from the basement. You can walk in from the back. You can pop out the popcorn machine, dude. It is basically just your house at that point, in my opinion. The fact that this relatively minor issue became all of this, that's just not a great look. Getting in a beef with one of the great black filmmakers of our time. Wait, wait, wait. Scratch all of that. 
getting him to be one of the great filmmakers of all time, period, that's not a great look. Right now, right in front of us, over 20 years, the Knicks have been changing their modus operandi. They're not carrying themselves like a basketball team on or off this floor. We're sad, uneven play on the hardwood turns to drama and needless craziness off of it. Now, the Knicks are running a circus. That's what they're doing. Because right now, this is a clown show. Plain and simple. Ridiculous. Now, we'll see how this Knicks, Dolan, uh, Spike Lee drama unfolds. This is just crazy. Yet another sign of the incompetence of James Dolan in the New York Knicks front office just to put together not only a winning product on the floor, but a cohesive product in a cohesive direction off of it. I have nothing left to add on. I'm dropping the mic until further notice. If I hear more about this, we'll come back. I might have a special guest coming up, you know, talking about the Knicks and the history. If so, it'll be a little special treat. We'll see how that works out. But uh, at this point, man, I got nothing for it. But I still have some energy. Come so fired up from this. So I'm going to go to another subject here. We're going to... Sub- subject. Whew. I am tired, y'all. I'm going to go to another subject. We're going to switch up the pace a little bit. We're going to run through the NBA Players of the Month Award. All right, so... Yesterday, the NBA awarded LeBron James for the Western Conference and Jason Tatum for the Eastern Conference for their stellar play this past month. Now, LeBron averaged 26 points a game, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists in 10 games in February, and he became the first Lakers player to earn this award in consecutive lumps since Kobe Bryant in December of 2008 and January 2009. For his part, not to be outdone, Tatum has averaged 30.7 points, 7.9 rebounds, and 3.2 assists in 12 February games, and this is first time winning Player of the Month. Now, in my humble opinion, Tatum was a no-brainer. LeBron's played well, too. But here's my gripe. There was one person out there who played better than him this month. This is me being Kanye, taking the mic from Taylor um, Taylor Swift and saying, listen, Beyonce had the best album of the year. All right, right now, LeBron played well, but Russell Westbrook had the best month. All right, he had the best February. Where is the love for my Brody? I am incensed. The man goes out and puts up 33.4 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, 6 assists. He shoots 55% from the field, 40% from 3. Had the true shooting percentage of 59.4, leads the Rockets to a 7-1 record. Like I said, LeBron played well too. But when you line up both sets of the numbers side by side, it's no contest. I'm just saying, Russ shot better from the field. Russ shot better from 3. Russ had a better shooting percentage. Russ had a better record. Yeah, LeBron ultimately, his team had a better record, but LeBron missed one of those games. All I'm trying to say is this. It's easy, and people love doing this. Hating on Russ. Russell takes too many inefficient shots. Russell shouldn't be shooting a three too well. Russell this. Russell that. Russell's one of the worst superstars. I hear it all the time. As a Russell fan, or as a Russell Westbrook fan, you get a lot more of it because, you know, you just catch the heat. My Twitter name, I mean, it's at CorbinNBA, but if you look at it, it's the Russell Westbrook apologist. That is my guy. I will defend the man all the way. So I hear all the hate. Where's that energy when he's doing well? I've seen a couple people walk it back. I've seen a couple people go, okay, you know what? He's playing well. The spread floor is really working out for him. Yada, yada, yada. And thank you. But you need to be just as loud when you're wrong as you are when you jump on this man. That's for any player, but that's for Westbrook right now. Easy. I don't understand it at all. That's a straight-up snub to me. And mind you, I don't even have a list of NBA Players of the Month snubs. I, I don't have it. <laughs> I, I didn't go too deep into that because I was so ticked off by this. This made no sense to me. I, 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 I really don't understand it. 
And this is the thing. When are y'all going to give the man his respect? All right? Everything he gets has to be scrutinized and looked at. And I get it. He is a good whipping boy. The way he plays is not the conventional NBA superstar way. All right? Passion on his sleeve. We like that until we don't. The numbers he puts up, yeah, they look good, but are they really good? Are they stat padding, yada, yada? All of this. Then he puts together a very, very efficient stretch. This has possibly been the best month of, of his career. And he's had, come on now, the dude averaged a triple-double for three straight seasons. We do not remember or do not talk enough, in my opinion, about that 2017 season. All right, so it's not like the man has not done things. But this has been a great month. And for this to happen, yeah, LeBron, this is great. Love the guy. The, the guy is awesome. All right, I'm a Lakers fan. Don't forget that. But come on. That's all the energy I have left for that rant. I'm just saying do better, guys. Voters, I don't know who's behind that. Do better. Please. And thank you. All right. We just keep on going to topics. I love jumping around like this. Pretty good. No segments right now. Just straight up pop, pop, pop topics. So the next one, also Rockets related. Daryl Morey. Yep, he's in the news again. Not for any tweets that were, you know, under fire. Not for anything else. This is actually a point that, uh, you know, I think the majority of people will kind of understand. Except the people that he's talking about, uh, you know, in question here. Daryl Morey went and basically slammed the broadcasters who were hate-watching the NBA. And he did this without naming names on an appearance on First Take on Tuesday, uh, where he engaged the host in a discussion about potential changes in future years to improve the league's product. You know, how to make it better. Are we going to do some stuff with the gameplay to make a faster limit timeouts? We always do this. There's features in 2K at the end of every uh, my GM uh, or, or my league where you can say, oh, we're going to change the shot clock. This is a basic kind of conversation and one that Mori can speak about relatively freely. So this is fine, right? Now, Mori put out some decent ones. You know, he, he suggested making a change to overtimes and not allowing players to foul out. But then he says this, and this is what he views the style of certain broadcasters and why this may be hurtful for the league right now and in the future. And I'm just going to read this uh, just definite quote right now, okay? Here's what he says. Right now, if you tune into a lot of NBA telecasts, the announcers are hate-watching their own game. It's crazy. You'll tune in and they'll be like, well, what's happening here? They're shooting too many three-pointers. Back in my day. Imagine the NFL if Tony Rumble was basically like, oh, this passing is not going to work. Where is my cloud of dust? Where is it? Literally, it's the whole game. That's NBA games right now. Where is my cloud? Why are we smashing that ball in there? You tune to any NBA game, that's what you get all night. I think we're going to fix it over time, but right now... <sighs> okay, end quote. Moy was also critical of broadcasters and media members who downplayed the importance of the league's regular season. And there's another quote here. The other thing that happens, you tune in and they go, well, why are we watching tonight? Nothing matters until the playoffs. Nothing. People are like, okay, I'm going back to CSI. End quote. All right, pause right there. First off, is CSI still a thing? <laughs> I mean, I would say, okay, I'm going back to The Bachelor. I mean, I don't watch it. No, no, don't quote me. I don't watch The Bachelor, y'all. But I'm saying, like, that's a, a show I think is trending. Or, you know, Love and Hip Hop is always a classic. Or Law and Order sticks around. I, CSI? I mean, maybe 2013? CSI New York, CSI Miami. I do know the CSI Las Vegas. All right, I'm probably talking too much about CSI. I just thought that was odd that he brings it up. I think that Moore kind of let his own personal uh, TV preferences bleed into that example there. But here's my thing. I, I agree with him. I completely do. And you know, he won't name names. But Mark Jackson can be hecka salty. All right? He just can. 
Jeff Van Gundy. That's kind of his nature, but he can do the same thing. Sometimes it's a little too much. I love constructive criticism in the game. I like commentators who go, oh, I don't know if the Rockets' small ball style of play is going to work. And then if they see that it does, they stand corrected. It adds additional taste. You don't always have to agree. In fact, I like a little pushback in NBA basketball opinion. I don't like the same wave because that just discourages other people from having other thoughts that may be decently you know, thought out and, and stand out over time, but they're just drowned out by the wave of, oh, we all agree and we all think this way. That's fine. But when it goes to just overly negative, I do think that, that that has a negative thought on the game. You have young players, young people who are watching the game, people whose opinions can be easily swayed by this type of thought process, by just just dry, broad statements that can just totally make, you know, people look a little rough. Inside the NBA crew, they're lovely guys. <laughs> and when I say lovely guys, I just mean like I enjoy watching their show. But they do it sometimes too. Local telecasts will do it, the same thing. If you watch NBA League Pass, there's certain teams that you have people just sitting there. I am in Arizona, so I hear a lot of Eddie Johnson. Now, mind you, I respect the career of Eddie Johnson as a player. I don't follow him on Twitter, but I see his stuff on Twitter. And, you know, he's he's a cool guy. I, li- I like the fact that he has uh, that experience from playing the game back in the 80s, back in the 90s, and bringing that perspective into this game. But I don't think when you become overly critical of the way games are played now and draw a direct line of comparison of how they were played then, that you're doing the game and the viewers a service. Because guess what? The athletes weren't quite like this. You didn't have a LeBron James back in that day. All right? You didn't have a Steph Curry bombing from deep that time. And you can compare the way that nutrition has changed, the way that practice have changed, the way the game has changed, the players. I mean, Anthony Davis is a hybrid you didn't have back then. You can do all this nitpicking, but at the end of the day, it does no one no good. Or should I say, it doesn't do anyone any good. I wish we did have more broadcasters promoting the game, trying to teach it, the X and O's. When I watch 80s basketball games, 90s basketball games, you see the Telestrator out more. You see breakdowns during, you know, coming out of timeouts and, and actual plays and how players cut this way to create a certain pass here and a screen set by McHale, set a pop out by Bird, let an open layup for uh, Robert Parrish. Like, these things... Were, were more prevalent back then and now we get the entertainment side but where's the teaching side i think a lot of that teaching side is given away to controversy and that controversy has created more negative uh broadcasters who are putting you know an opinion that makes a problematic view for the league you can't diminish the own product when you get paid off of people viewing said product it, it's kind of simple i'm not gonna just diss and trash talk oh, hot dogs man who even needs hot dogs anymore do you even know what are in hot dogs Huh? Is it a mash of meat? Is it beef? When I'm a hot dog salesman. I mean, does that make any sense? <laughs> and yes, that probably was a horrible example, but I'm just being real here. It doesn't. So Maury's on to something. I completely agree with him. And guess what? He closes out by saying this. I think we're the best game that highlights our best athletes in the world every single night. It's almost like cognitive distances. People tune in, and they're being told how they shouldn't watch, and how it's not a fun game to watch. It's bizarre to me. The NBA would never let it happen, and I don't understand it. End quote. Guess what, Daryl? I don't understand it either. All right, y'all. So uh, aside from that, what am I watching? Huh? Nothing too much, to be honest with you. I actually was uh, going out today trying to get my jump shot back. I have a Sean Marion, a Lonzo Ball hybrid of a shot, which, uh, you know, makes things interesting. But, you know, it goes in often enough, so I'm okay. Uh, right now... I just finished watching the Lakers beat the 76ers 120 to 107. 
that was a solid win. Now, mind you, the 76ers are playing without Joel Embiid. They are playing without Ben Simmons. Shake Milton had himself a game, if you remember, uh, against the Clippers. But that kind of stuff is hard to replicate. And it wasn't replicated tonight against the Lakers, unfortunately. Uh, Shake Milton here did not go off for that 39 uh, he did go off for 12 points, a much more modest game. 12 points, six assists, pretty good for him. Tobias Harris at 18 points. Mike Sal with 12. Uh, Glenn Robinson had a big game, 25 points on 10 of 15 shooting, four rebounds and an assist. But Anthony Davis, man, 37 points, 13 and 19 shooting, four for five from three, 13 rebounds, two assists. LeBron James with 22 points, 14 assists, seven rebounds. Dude, I like the Lakers getting back right now. I like him playing this way. Because guess what's next? Alright, in just a couple days' time, Lakers versus Bucks round two. Alright, I will definitely be all up in that game. Follow me at Corbin NBA. I will definitely be doing some rants or something. I will talk about this on this show. That should be a fun one. And that's all I'm going to say about it for now. I got to save some uh, words for uh, <laughs> when that game is played and, and kind of recap that all. But uh, you know what? That's going to do it for us here on NBA today. Thank y'all for spending some time with me here. Follow me at CorbinNBA. Follow HoopBall, please. They are an amazing resource. I can't say it enough. You have the bruise letter that comes out. I'm still reading that. It was over 8,000 words. Easily. Uh, I, I, I could not just stick with it. It's so deep. He goes into every team from a fantasy perspective. He talks about his kings. Three things on the kings. Very good. With HoopBall, you also have HoopBall Fantasy. Alright? They're awesome. I mean, that's honestly where the bread is buttered. But you have HoopBall Pelicans. HoopBall Kings. New HoopBall Grizzlies. HoopBall Gaming. HoopBall Clippers. Blazers. Lakers. A lot of stuff out there. Alright? Go check out their premium package. They have a lot of resources for a very, very cheap price right now. Look into that. You can't beat it. And if you're a fantasy person, the playoffs are coming. So definitely stay tuned and, and be aware of that. Make the most of it. Try to put yourself in a position to win. All right? Simple as that. Got to. Again, we're brought to you by MyBookie. Check that out. MyBookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Use promo code today. And that'll do it. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. All right? Take care. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.